Yes, guys, and welcome to Talk Random. Yet again, guys, unfortunately, Bashi can't be here. Let's see the life of a semi-pro footballer, of course. And we've got a special guest here, guys. This is the legend in broadcasting. He is well known for the Olympics, for working on CNN and the lot. He, need, he needs no introduction. It <laughs> is the great Phil Jones. How are you, Phil? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Well, for bigging me up. You are. You are <laughs> a legend in your own right. You're incredible. You had an amazing career. How's your day been today? So far, so good. This is going to top the day, though, no doubt, because it's great being here with you. Obviously, Bash is giving me the swerve. I know. He's too busy telling me pro football. I've got yeah, his routines yeah. behind him. <laughs> I was like, bro, yeah, Jack, Bash, Bash, shake it here. But he's starting to trolley now. I was like, all oh, right, that's it. Then he's left us now. But it's great to be yeah. here with you. And we're going to talk, what, career? We're talking about your career. We're talking about mental health, resilience, and how to come out on the other end. So you've had a phenomenal career, no doubt. How did your career start? I started just down the road from here. We're here in the in the UA ninety two studios. It's the best. Yeah, my um, And yeah, I'm I'm a Salford lad, born and hey. bred. And I started work at a Salford based press agency when I was sort of nineteen twenty. Um, yeah, working. Did you have a lot of hair then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did have a lot of hair, and it was dark then ah. as well. By the way, have you got any pictures uh, of your hair then? Yeah, I, I need to dig some out. Really, don't don't I? I'll show you. Well, yeah. Don't share them around too, uh, too freely. There was less weight and more hair. No. And uh, yeah, so that, that's where I started out really working for Manchester Evening News a little bit, a uh, bit of radio stuff, but all from the agency, mostly sport, some court reporting, and then just sort of developed through doing do things. And did you always want to go down that route? From a pretty early age, I sort of knew, to be honest, Abs, I started off maybe about 12, 13, thinking I want to go down the medicine route. So oh, I picked oh all my, my options. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a doctor, but then realised I wasn't quite up to it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm scared. I'm squeamish of blood and all that. Like, I, <laughs> for me, I'm more, I think for me, if I was doing medicine, I'll be like, I'll be chatting to the patients all day. I won't be doing anything. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm, 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 someone help me while I talk to them. It wasn't so much the blood and things for me. It was, am I going to get A grades in physics and chemistry ah. and biology? And no, I'm not. So I changed my subjects and started to do more of the arts and history and all that kind of thing. Best thing I ever did. And uh, You never know, you could be, can still be a good doctor, but yeah, the best thing you ever did. Well, maybe I've got, you know, I, I might not have a bad bedside manner, but don't trust me with anything else oh. beyond that. All right. And then, so you started off in radio, like Key 103, it's the hits now, isn't it? Yeah. So what was that like for you, like going into real life, working radio Well, studio? again, that was, that was um, as part of the agency, so... I was there for about five years, so bit by bit, little bits of work were added to my workload, if you like. So I started out doing local newspaper stuff, mainstreaming news, the Saturday Pink that used to exist back in, oh, in the day. That, that was the Saturday sports paper that came out as final results were coming in. The Pink came out, basically, and it was all sports-based, and it was pink-coloured. So a bit before, like, social media? Yeah, <laughs> this oh. is way before social media. Uh, and then... Once I got my feet under the table at the agency, then I start, other opportunities opened up. I met other people. I met somebody from, it used to be Piccadilly Radio back then. Uh, and then I got a chance to do some reports at Speedway, then at rugby, then at football. And that just got me a taste of broadcasting. Really. And you thought, you know what? I'm going to carry on doing this. I, got, I dipped my yeah. toes in it. I love it. And then you, you mentioned you were at, like, moved over to America afterwards. Yeah, for the, the first port of call after that for me was the BBC from the agency, but working behind the scenes. So I was working as a scriptwriter, working with like legendary presenters like Desmond Lyon and Steve Ryder, Bob Wilson, wow. Sue Barker. So I was, I was sort of helping them with research and that kind of thing. And there were three Incredible. of us that were employed in that new role when I first started, and um, that was fantastic. Because then I'm, I'm actually look, you know, I'm, I'm in the studios 
a match of the day and grandstand. And was that like a dream night. come true as like, like a young kid? Like I can't believe I'm actually in here. Was that in Salford back then, or was that in no, Oxford no, no. Road? That was in that was in London, oh, London. Shepherd's Shepherd's Bush in oh, London. Oh wow, in the old broadcasting but, house. Yeah, and so it was not the old broadcast. It was the TV centre. Oh, TV so this, still there, this iconic it? building. When I, you know, I watch as a kid, things like swap shop and going live and all those kind of things, and then suddenly you're in that building where all these great programs are being made. You're seeing Bruce Forsyth walking down the corridor and, you know, Clive James is... Price is right. ...in the yeah, office next in. door and just, yeah. Can you speak to them when you see them on the street? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. You know, just say hello in the corridor. That's that like, you're all right, you're all right. What are you saying? Can yeah, number, please? Yeah. So it's, so it's a w- whole new world. Did you have mobile phones back then? Uh, <laughs> you make me sound... Oh. No, 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 you're old. Because <laughs> Bruce Forsyth ancient. is a bit old, isn't he? Yeah, he is, or was. Uh, 1993. Two, I oh, you have phones there. I got a, I got a mobile. I, I got my first mobile phone. Ah, oh, is that the class of 92, 92? It was a big brick thing. With massive, it, with the aerial. With a big aerial, yeah. Do you still have it? No. No, no, no. Uh, I should have kept it. It would have been nicer kept and it. Then, yeah. And then, did you, from seeing all them and from like, working with the greats, like them presenters, and, like, Sue Barker and everyone, did that give you the, a taste of, like, being, you know what? I'm going to be in front of the camera now. Yeah, the, the people that had hired me to do that job were kind of, trying to push the three of us that have started together a little bit down the production route, like become assistant producers and then producers and editors beyond that. And I couldn't quite add that up in my mind because I thought, well, we're journalists. We came from journalistic backgrounds. So why do they now want us to do production? this production thing? It didn't add up for me. So I still want to be a journalist and do something journalistic. So I started to explore other avenues and seeing what I could do and, you know, did a little bit with Newsround and oh, you know, I remember Newsround. Do you remember? Oh my gosh, I forgot that guy's name. Newsround. Did John Craven's a legend on Newsround. No, my one was um, Enzo. Ezo. Uh, Lizzo. Lizzo, that's it. Yeah, he's he's still in, in BBC News now. Yeah, so so that's the route I wanted to go down. And then one of the editors in BBC Sport heard that I was looking to leave and gave me the opportunity to do do some voiceover work. Oh, nice. On Match of the Day, but I had to do a test first, do a test run. And when he was happy that I was, what was that like hearing your own voice on telly? Weird, it's still weird. Do you still remember day. the moment? Uh, I remember the, submitting the t- the test tape because I was so nervous, and there were two editors watching it, two of the big bosses, and then it was basically a yes or a no at the end of it. And thankfully, it was a yes. It was a yes. And that's how your career like started off, basically. Then, yeah, and someone giving you that chance and believing in you, say, so, you know what, I want to be a prisoner, I want to be a journalist, and someone give you, they heard you were leaving, and thought, you know what. Phil Jones is too good to let go. Well, actually, I tell you, so what it's all about is friendship and having good people around you because it was one person in particular, a guy called Stephen McBride, who's only just left the BBC after years of great service. He joined me as that, that sports assistant. He ah, was yeah. one of the first three. It was him in Barcelona at the Olympics in 1992 oh, wow. who had a word with the editor. Um, uh, a guy called Brian Barwick, who wanted to be chief of the uh, F- FA. Um and said, you're going to lose Phil if you don't give him a chance. So it was the friendship thing that without that word to Brian, it wouldn't have happened. And so I'm ever thankful to Steve. And speaking about giving you a chance, from that chance, your career has like elevated into an incredible like place. Like you interviewed like the likes of Usain Bolt, Greg Runiford. You, you build a good rapport with all of them. You're, you're on the sideline. Like, how do you feel like you just won? And like, you're yeah. that guy. How was that for you, that moment? Amazing, yeah. I, I was really privileged. It was an interesting thing, really, from going from going. You touched on the CNN days because yeah. I went from doing reporting and doing voiceovers and that kind of presenting. thing to presenting. I, I mean, I, I was 
did more than 2,000 shows for, for CNN. It was a daily show, a daily kind of sports roundup show. So I got to meet some great people there as well, but quite sporadically. Then when I came back to the UK in 2002, I decided, yeah, I was still doing a bit of presenting, but I wanted to do more interviews and kind of get out there and see people. So I got more opportunities. Oh, yeah. Um, worked at Wimbledon. Wow. And Andy Murray. Irina, Serena. And Andy Murray. Yeah, the Williams sisters. Roger Federer. Wow. Rafa what, what, Nadal. What were, they, what were they all like back then? Oh, to the to the well, several of the nicest people you're ever going to wish to meet are in the tennis world. Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Andy Murray. They're, were you they're sick brilliant. of strawberries and cream when you were at um, yeah. Wimbledon? You're like, oh my day, strawberries and cream season is here. Yeah. yeah, we did it. We did. Yeah, we were, we were the cliche. Oh. <laughs> and then from that, like, it comes with like, you, you had a, such a high, an experience such a high. And from that, behind the scenes, like, not many people know this. It's like, we're speaking about like, me off, we were speaking before, like, and recently about the importance of mental health. And we've seen the likes of the two Olympians who stepped back away from mental health. Um, the tennis player, what was the name again? Uh, Naomi Osaka. And, and then Simone Biles yeah. in gymnastics, yeah. Gymnastics. And it goes to show like, they said a medal is not important to them. Their mental health comes first in any medal and anything else in the competition. Their mental health comes first. And at first, they got a lot of stick for it because they're sports stars. And like, they like, Yo, you should go through this. They had a lot of stick from it. And for me as well, especially they're two females in a male-dominated industry sports, not many people speak about how they're feeling and mental health is such a relevant topic at the moment. Yeah. Um, and what do you feel about when they were set back and their, their hate some of them got? Yeah, well, I'm, I wouldn't condone any kind of ba you know backlash and hate. That's just ridiculous. Um, but you know, that's small-minded, and that's how some people are. We unfortunately kind of have to accept that's the way of the world, certainly on social media. But it's I, I prefer to look at the positives and how many people they're going to help. By yeah, I think they've inspired a whole new generation of people. I think they are bringing um, the elderly people as well to realise, you know what, actually mental health is important. And like you said, a lot of males do suffer in silence as well. We mentioned this before, male mental health. Everyone knows this, like I talk random, I'm very passionate about mm -hmm. mental health. I'm passionate about, you know what, speaking out and being your own self. And me being a man, I suffer from mental health problems and I'm always open and honest. And you've had your own um, mm -hmm. problems in your life and you've overcome them as a man as well. And how did you feel at first when you, were, when you wanted to seek the help? Because you just opened the car boot and you banged your head and all of a sudden your life yeah. changed. It was such an innocuous thing that happened to me. It was a self-inflicted wound, if you like, as well. But then I ended up... Uh, bruising my brain and, and then not really knowing at the time what was happening to me. I didn't know really for a good few months and even into the next year and I had various scans and things like that. But it was this um, diagnosis of post-concussion syndrome and inherent within that can be anxiety, depression and those kind of things as well as you know, if it affects your vision, it can affect uh, your head in terms of headaches, migraine. Everyday life, so but basically. So everyday, yeah, everyday life is a struggle when you're going through those bouts. And I could have attacks randomly. And this is at a time when I'm working for BBC Sport as well. So I used to just have to think and hope that I wouldn't get an attack that tied in with me working two weeks intensely at Wimbledon or three weeks intensely at the Olympics or something like that. And, and having to deal with that is a, is a big Because I added pressure issue. as well. You're on TV in front of millions of people. At that time, were the BBC aware of what was going on? So, certain people were, um, but not, not everybody. But the people who needed to know were in the know, just in case I needed to pull out of something or yeah. not be able to 
thankfully mo most times I, I was able to, to cope. I and mean, actually what I found happened was when I was at an event, uh, I could cope cope with it anyway but there's something that kicks in and some adrenaline that's or something like me, like that kicks in podcasting it kicks in it's something that you love that's the thing like something that you love that helps your anxiety sorry to interrupt you and like helps your momentum and being a man and admitting that you needed help what was the first step that you took when they said you have anxiety and you need some help what, what, what was your initial reaction well it took a diagnosis because i because it was kind of a, i had this thing with my head and then i i, I was compartmentalizing like a feeling anxious and depressed over there like it was a, something else that was happening in my life that the two weren't married up because I didn't have any idea yeah. what post-concussion syn syndrome could lead to so in a way it was a relief to find out that it was it was one and the, the same I was dealing with one issue as opposed to two separate issues and then once I knew that it was like how am I going to deal with that feeling because I went from a person who, when I lived in, uh, in America I would think nothing about flying back here for a weekend you know it's for weddings for parties yeah. for see, see my friends and flying back again they're not anxious i'm the least anxious person you could wish to meet at that point so to be this being that didn't really want to leave the front door of his own house on certain days was so alien to me so getting the diagnosis was key and then getting the treatment so for me it was seeking out therapy as well as medication and then getting the balance of those right so that i could get better and then because it was a f very much a physical thing for me the, the better my head got, yeah. the better my mood became. And so it was like, a, you know, I could go from having a, an attack and flicking a switch and my mood changing darkly to feeling better and my mood lifting. So it's a very odd thing, but it's something I should share with you, Abs, as well. Alex Danson, uh, a Great Britain hockey player, won gold in Rio. Yeah. She was on holiday with a, a boyfriend. She laughed at one of the one of his jokes, threw her head back against a, a wall, just, just a little movement back, bang the back of her head. She suffered post-concussion uh, syndrome. And it was one of those stories that it was such a relief to me to read somebody else's story that they were going through a similar yeah. thing. She, she lost the ability to speak. And someone in such a high-profile um, environment, especially being an, athlete, an elite athlete and yeah. losing everything, like losing to speak because of the concussion and the shock. And it goes to show her sharing her... Life and now she's having she had a baby now. You said she's 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 pregnant she's now. Pregnant yeah, now. Yeah. And it goes to show like whatever life goes at you, there's always support available. And me, like I've got anxiety, ADHD, and panic disorder. And at first, I was really like, mm, I'm not gonna say no one, but me by sharing our stories can inspire other men and other people to speak out. Because I always say like the first the, the first time you speak out, everything in your life will be so much more easier. Trust me, when I say at first, it's hard to speak out at first but you'll find that one person you can trust and your life will improve drastically. And being in like a male-dominated environment like sports and presenting, when you got the help you needed, do you feel like kind of relieved? And do, do, do you, did you feel like kind of happy when you saw other sports stars like Louis Spent, Louis, what's his name? Louis Smith. Louis Smith. Yeah. Uh, he's got ADHD and other mental health problems and he spoke out openly about it. Yeah, how I, sports. I, I, Helps him. I, yeah, absolutely. I, th I think the last few years we've seen so many people, lots of people from cricket, you know, someone like Freddie Flintoff is a large and life character and presenter. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to see what he went through. Steve Harmison at that time as well, being, feeling depressed on the Ashes tour. Um, you know, Marcus Trescothic was another one who, who, who suffered in cricket world. But you've seen it with, you know, Lee Griffiths, the Celtic player who, 
you know, for, for footballers to come out and uh, somebody like him playing for Scotland, playing for Celtic, to be open about it and take time off and be supported by the club was huge. It's happening more and more. It maybe is still not happening because I think enough, like but it's, it's happening more and more. Sometimes I feel like we hear all these statistics where males, like, commit, male suicide is one of the biggest killers in the UK mm-hmm. at the moment. And it's so sad. And it's men under the age of 50 and 40, 45, basically. And... Men, I feel like men sometimes, although they speak out, and I'm really, like, I feel like, like I said, sometimes I can get a bit of backlash and sometimes I feel they're not supported. And I feel like there's nothing, not enough being done, really. I feel like there's not enough being done at the moment. Fair enough, you can speak out. But I feel like, in my opinion, our current government and all that are not supporting what's happening at the moment. I feel like it's just a joke. But coming back onto like your story, do you feel like there's a way positive? Like, like you said, more men are speaking out, more men are open and honest and hopefully yeah. it'll be the way forward i think it's important to surround yourself as well by a, by a good network of trusted people be it family friends a friend it's just somebody that you can confide hey, in yeah exactly and but also having that somebody that you know we talked about this before abs i know but it's that thing of when you see something in someone and they're not quite right they're not quite the person you they normally are maybe and you say are, are you okay and they go yeah yeah fine and dismiss you then b- come back with the, no, really, are you really okay? Give them that second chance to say because it, it's normally that second question or that second bit of, no, I'm really here for you. It's not just a, not just a casual yeah. passing thing. It needs to be a sincere, I'm here. If you want to talk to me right here, right now, I am concerned about you. I'm seeing something in you. And it's that connection. That's a huge thing. If you can just find one person that can do that, it would be a big help. And a positive thing, you're a tutor at UA92. Yeah, I'm. I'm Sports uh, journalism tutor. Yeah, the 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 new venture. Yeah, uh, new adventure. New adventure, and one thing you brought to UA ninety two. What I realised is you brought your your career, but not just your career. You brought the well being. You're very passionate about well being, and that's when we connected with you. Like you're very passionate about well being, and you have all these new ideas to bring to UA ninety two. How did that come about? Well, yeah, it just comes from the from the passion and knowing how important it is, and having gone through it myself and knowing lots of other people that do and a lot of people suffer in silence and don't talk about it and there are there are layers of it look at what happened to me it was just an innocuous accident but it's it's, it happened and so that affected my life for the next decade so it's so it's it's just getting the word out there whatever you're suffering at whatever level whatever's caused it sharing the knowledge sharing the wealth and here at united two we're going to launch very soon something uh, which I think I'm allowed to tell you. It's called Mind Matters, which, I, yeah, which is going to be a big part of the website. And so we've got an exclusive here. Anybody that comes through yeah. the university, any guests, anybody. So we'll be talking about not only dealing with mental health, but also the well-being side of it and resilience in the workplace. And UA92 implements the resilience and that's at its core values, well-being. It's not just mental health, but resilience, but overcoming other things. Well-being can be a lot of things. And yeah. your well-being comes first and foremost out of everything and always put yourself first. But Phil, it has been an absolute pleasure. I can't believe I've got the legend. Uh, so <laughs> Finally, I talked, Roger. Uh, this guy is a legend in his own right. And I'm just really happy you're on it. And thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. Oh, well, I'm delighted to be here. The best guy, Phil Jones. Thanks a lot, Abs. <laughs> <laughs>